Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, August 25th. Uh, this is Liz Dolan. I am here in Santa Monica, California. Gorgeous, gorgeous weekend here. I guess I say that a lot, don't I, Julie? Because yes, you do. let's admit it, it's, it's always beautiful in Santa Monica, California. Except for when you're having either like one of those horrible fires or, or, or floods yes. or earthquakes. Or but other earth- than that, uh, <laughs> you've got some pretty darn good weather there, Liz. Yeah, so today's show will be Julie and I catching up on all kinds of things. We did get some last-minute texts, phone calls, and emails from the three other sisters about why they were not available in this time slot. So what was Leanne's reason? Every, all of these reasons perfectly good, by the way. This is not judgment. This is the way we, we roll here at Satellite Sisters. If you can make it, come on in. If you can't make it, But we whatever. want a reason. We, you, need, you need something. You need to tell us something. So Leanne actually t- uh, called and said she was in the middle of a redecora- redecorating project uh, where they were recovering the couch in their living room. Oh, so wow. that sounded like a big, big project that she didn't think she would be able to wrap up in the two hours between when she called and when we were going to right. record the podcast. Right. So, Le- so. Leah has also had decorating issues before where if she turns her back on her husband, he just forges on and does it his own way. So I think, I think part of that, remember last year when he like tiled the bathroom or painted the bathroom while she wasn't looking and she what? was like, when were we going to discuss the color? Weren't we going to have that discussion? I know. I mean, he paints, he paints the kitchen, doesn't mention that he's going to do it. Yeah, no, that he's on a roll. So she's got to, she's just got to go with it. I actually admire that because a lot of spouses maybe are, are less interested in um, decorating. They're just interested in not spending money. That's what I find uh, in my house about decorating <laughs> projects. So I was like, Leon, go with it. Go with it. You're going you're gonna to reupholster or get some new couch configuration. Do it. So I was very encouraging of, of that. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, decorating, Sheila texted from Ikea. If you listened to last week's show where Sheila was the surprise call in at the end that I very poorly edited, then you know that Sheila was working on her third grade classroom decorative theme for this year was Bamboo Dreams. (laughs) It's a brilliant, I mean, it's brilliant, Liz, you have to admit. There aren't going to be too many other third grade rooms nope. that are, are, are filled with bamboo dreams. It's, it's a big idea, bamboo dreams. And so she's at Ikea. I'm not sure how many Swedish accessories you need to bring bamboo dreams alive. But, I know. Uh, he's there. They have those single bamboo plants there, Liz. That's probably. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I've spent a lot of time in Ikea, not so much since I've returned to this country, but in, in Moscow, that was one of my favorite destinations just to go to well, the... Well, it was one of the few stores, as I recall. That's, yes, There's that's... a huge Ikea as you came in from the Moscow airport to where you lived in the center of the city. The, main, the, mo- the most dramatic retail establishment was Ikea. 
Yes, it was, Liz. Uh, and so on slow days, you know, it's a long, cold winter. I, I'd go with a couple of my girlfriends. We'd eat some of those Swedish meatballs, and we'd just tour around in Ikea. So, But, yes, they have those bamboo plants. I bet that's what she's getting. We'll have to find out. This is uh, all right. That's exciting. And okay. Monica's status? She is canoeing, okay? She said it's the last day of her summer vacation, and you know how Monica feels about vacations. Yes, yes. And how precious they are and how they're meant to be enjoyed. She is canoeing. So you have to, that's, hats off to that, too. Okay, well, there was a, there was a, it was a big party day here in Santa Monica, California yesterday that reminded me, reminded me of something that, speaking of like end of summer festivities, the, so what was happening here in my neighborhood is we had a grand opening of a Bristol Farms. Now, Julie, you know the Bristol Farms stores, right? Super high end grocery stores. Super high end, beautiful grocery store where everything in it, the produce, the chicken, the meat, the fish is, is just it's it's gorgeous I, I mean it costs a lot to shop there but um but that's not you know you don't care about that liz because you're just a single person because <laughs> i shop for one really you, so really that's what i meant i mean not yeah. i know you're very price conscious i didn't mean that <laughs> no but. no i mean like even if it like when you're only buying one tomato i have to admit you kind of don't care how much the tomato costs like if it's two dollars or three dollars really the end of my life is that going to be the problem so, so anyway, so the Bristol Farms, um, the good news about Bristol Farms is that it's a great store and it's exactly perfectly positioned to be my go-to grocery store on my route home from work. So it's exactly where I turn off Wilshire Boulevard to kind of get into my neighborhood. And uh, so that's very exciting. And they have an excellent new parking lot, uh, which is a dramatic improvement You've seen the other parking lot I contend with on the route on the way home, Julie. The, the Whole Foods in my neighborhood has an underground parking lot, which was not very well designed. It was designed by a roller coaster designer. <laughs> it is so steep going down the hill into the underground parking area. I used to take mom there a lot. You know, like when I come out to Santa Monica, she'd love it. I, you know, I'd rent a car and that's, she wanted to go to Whole Foods, but she, she would, she would, she and I was too terrifying terrified to go down or go up like even when you're leaving you have the sense it's like driving up a hill in san francisco you feel like maybe your car is going to fall backwards that there's not going to be enough gravity to hold you onto the hill it's 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 treacherous and it's funny because the other good place to stop in the neighborhood the trader joe's the parking is on the roof and so that's an equally treacherous kind of thing you have to kind of surge up this very steep ramp to get to the roof. So uh, anyway, so but what made me laugh about the Bristol Farms grand opening yesterday, of course I went. I was just curious. But what really sucked me into the parking lot is that a radio station was doing a live remote from the parking lot. And we've been there, right? We've done that. The, when we were on terrestrial radio, they occasionally, you know, you're carried by a station in a certain city and they have a sponsor and we did a live remote. I believe it was a Labor Day weekend. So be, and it was Minnesota listeners may even have attended the live remote we did from an appliance store in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
And it was, it was the day before a live appearance we were doing at the Minnesota State Fair. So it was well worth the trip to Minnesota because the State Fair was fantastic. And that's when our show was carried on FM 107. Many of you listen to FM 107 still now and constantly email us that you wish we were still on it, but whatever. But uh, so we, we did this appliance store gig and just for like... Years afterwards, we would laugh about that, what it's like to try to do a show from an appliance store. And um, with the live remote, it sounds like it's really exciting, and it sounds like it's going to be a good time both for the listener and for the person doing the live remote. But mainly, I, I, I think you spend a lot of time, like, just clearing people away from the table where you <laughs> Because right. right. they come up and they start to talk to you, and they yeah. don't realize you're live on the radio all over the United States of America. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you're just constantly, I don't I say this in the kindest way, but swatting people away. You know, and sometimes they're just coming up with random questions related to related to the hardware store, or we did it at the, um, I know in California, we did it at the California Women's Conference, and I think we were answering a lot of questions about where other booths and shows were and where Deepak, Deepak Chopra was uh, performing, you know, but, yeah. but it, it's a live remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's live, so it can be an issue. And, uh, yeah, these poor people doing the live remote yesterday, I did. I didn't, they had some folding chairs sit, set up in the parking lot so you could sit and watch them do a radio show. But I think I've seen enough people do radio shows. I didn't really need to sit and do that. But I did notice that the hosts of the show were interviewing an expert on green chilies from New Mexico. So apparently this was a guest that had been booked specifically by Bristol Farms for the big Bristol Farms grand opening. Anyway, so... Chili season, Liz. You probably don't know that. Hatch chilies from New Mexico. Oh, that's what it was about. I had never heard of hatch. That's a thing? Oh, that is a total thing, Liz. We have a hatch festival here uh, (laughs) at our grocery store. Really? In Dallas. Yeah, everything in the grocery store is made with hatched chilies. In fact, tonight for dinner, we're having uh, a chicken marinated in hatched chilies. Oh, yeah, this is it. That's big time, Liz. Big, you have to get into them. They're very tasty. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have stayed for the interview then, Julie. <laughs> right. I probably would have learned more than enough about hatched chilies. I had literally never heard of them. I thought that was like a brand or it was Mr. Hatch doing the interview or something. Okay. All right. Good to know. Well, part of the reason I was at a grocery store yesterday um, is I was on the hunt. I was having friends over last night. And you know my friends Dexter and Ryan. You've met them. And my friend Gary. And I owe all of them like some entertaining there. These are, you know, people invite you over to their homes and they're great cooks and they do great, beautiful dinners. And they, they do this all the time. And I had not, I had not seen them all summer, but I certainly had not reciprocated in the high end entertaining department ever. Uh, so I invited them over for last night, but then I really had a debate with myself when, when someone is that good a cook, do they really want someone who is not that good a cook to make dinner for them? Um, 
<laughs> and so I just look. Good point. Good yeah, point. You know, the point was for us to be together. Don't you think, Julie? That was the point. Uh, Liz, I am all about that now. And I think that we, everybody gets so intimidated. Like you have to be able to cook like, you know, Martha's hatch chilies or something. Yeah. Well, or, yeah or, yes. Well, you should know about hatch chilies, Liz. But, but yes, the point is to get together with people. That's the most important thing. Right? So, so here was the decision I made on Friday as I was leaving the office, thinking about Saturday night. I had told them that it was an open-ended plan. Just show up at my place at 7, and I'll figure it out before you get there. So plan A would have been, okay, we stay at my place, I make dinner. Plan B was, I make a signature cocktail. We have a delicious cocktail. And then we walk down Montana Avenue to that nice Italian restaurant, Portofino, which is delightful on a summer night because you can sit outside. So I decided to go with plan B. That's, that seems Here's, like I think I think that's very stylish, entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. go. You know, that's that's very nice. It's nice. People do like to go to your home. You know, yeah. I think that's yeah. good. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, but again, why? You know, like you have a job, Liz. You don't want to like you don't you don't have can't you don't have time to. Invest. I actually did have time. It wasn't really about the time. Okay. Really, right. I had all day yesterday. I could have cooked dinner, but I, I decided instead to make a signature cocktail, Julie. So this was the real breakthrough: was okay. the watermelon vodka cocktail. It was delish. I got to say, I was at this restaurant about 10 days ago where this was their signature cocktail. And so it's like, you know, that watermelon agua fresca, basically watermelon juice. So it was watermelon juice, lime juice, vodka, and then had like a little bit of ginger or something, a little bit of cucumber in it, cucumber. And um, a recipe, Liz, or were you just winging this? I was, I looked around. There are many recipes for watermelon cocktails. In fact, Martha Stewart had several. There are lots when I actually started looking around, but I wanted to recreate the, as closely as I could, the drink that I had had in the restaurant. And um, so I went to their menu and just looked at the ingredients that were listed. So, so you were winging it, Liz. I was, oh, come on, I can wing a cocktail. I mean, it's always like two parts this, one part that, right? As long as you know what the parts are, you can just like mix and mingle your way to a delicious cocktail. And I, don't think, I don't think the high-end cocktail crafters feel the same way, Liz, but go ahead. I know. Anyway, I, so the, the reason I went into the Bristol Farms was I was on the hunt for watermelon juice. I knew that I could just buy a watermelon and stick it in my blender, but that would, I really didn't want to do that. Um, too much work. <laughs> that was too much work. Anyway, so I successfully concocted very delicious watermelon cocktail. Okay. Uh, so we were in my home for like an hour on a beautiful yeah. summer night. It was delightful. Then we strolled. You know, it's nice to be able to walk somewhere for dinner. There aren't that many neighborhoods in Los Angeles or in most places, you know, where you can just walk down the street and also have a delightful dinner. Yes, so, that, that makes, that adds to the ambiance that you were trying to create. Please. Exactly. I thought that the, the watermelon set sort of a casual summer night kind of ambiance, which, and so walking to dinner is appropriate for the casual summer night theme, right? Did you, so, did you serve anything with the watermelon cocktail or nothing? Well, I just decided, like, if, if I'm just taking responsibility for the cocktail course, but we're going for a nice dinner, I didn't want to make apps and ruin everybody's appetite. So I just had delicious um, olives from the olive bar at Bristol Farms. <laughs> Your new home away from yes. home. Yes. So I just strolled down to Bristol Farms, Liz. <laughs> so that I'd... must have been nice, too. And you, go, you could have all gone to the salad bar. <laughs> 
I knew it needed to be a little more high-end than that. Anyway, it was a very successful, nice, relaxing night. A good time was had by all, and I didn't have um, the whole pressure of having to cook for people who are really good cooks. So, so that was good. But I did something else yesterday, Julie, that in my wildest dreams, I never, ever thought I would do this. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued. But Here's what I did yesterday. Is it, does it involve your hair? Or it looks- <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. 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 Nope. It, okay. I actually, um, and others who are probably listening right now, you've gotten around to this earlier in your life. I just had not gotten to the point where I needed to do this yet. But yesterday, I actually canceled home delivery of the New York Times, and I'm going fully digital. Liz, Liz, that is very dramatic. It was, a, it was emotional, I have to say. I, yeah. I, it was just that I realized, you know, I go away, I still, I read the paper every day, but I'm reading it so much more online than ever. Why am I, the, the blue bag at my door every morning was just taunting me. Because I was, usually I had either read stuff the night before online or didn't have time to read it in the morning anyway and then would read it during the day at work. And I just seemed like I was wasting not just money but like fossil fuels, having it delivered and paper and plastic bags. And the whole thing seemed like I just, I needed to move on. I needed to cut the cord. I needed to go fully digital. God knows I have enough digital devices. That was another part of it. You know, I've got like two laptops, two cell phones, and an iPad. So, and 47 chargers. <laughs> yes. So I just decided to go with that. And it was, um, it, it was empowering, yet really very emotional. And so there was a brief moment after that. I spent like 15 minutes actually then thinking about and nosing around online about how to cancel my landline. I thought, I thought maybe I should, maybe that's the next cord you have to cut. You don't, again, I have two cell phones. Why do I also have a landline at home? But I couldn't bring myself to do that. That was a bridge too far. But the paper. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, the paper's a big deal because you've been reading the New York Times every single day since you were probably six. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Well, since we were kids, it was the paper yeah. we got at our back door right. in the morning. Right. And I love newspapers and news, but it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just piling up. And it was, it was, I was spending a lot of time thinking about scheduling my vacation stops, which are not really vacation stops. It's just because I travel a lot for work. So I just, it seemed like the simpler way to go. This is my new thing. I'm all about simplifying my life. That's good, Liz. Are you shaky? Are you feeling, I mean, well, like I still got it this morning. So I, I don't know when it's actually going to stop. When when I opened the door this morning and the big blue bag with the Sunday paper was there, I was super happy. But then you do realize after debating with yourself and being like, if you want the paper paper, you can buy it. It is available. Like I walk my dog every morning, any morning of the week as I'm walking home early in the morning, if I feel like I need a paper paper, there it is available for me at like four different places on my dog walking route. So, um, anyway, so it was dramatic though. Well, you know, Liz, they, you know, in the, I guess in the journalism field, they said it was sort of the death 
Noel, when uh, um, when the um, Christian Science Monitor went digital and uh. they stopped producing a paper. I remember reading a lot of commentary that, like, okay, this is the begin the beginning of the end of print newspaper. I think the fact that Liz Dolan has now canceled her paper copy of the New York Times. This is the second giant blow. This is this should really newspaper editors around the world should be really really depressed when they hear this uh, podcast. Well, list. do you get a paper paper? No, Liz. Uh, I, I get the local paper. Yes, I still yes. get the local paper. A paper version. Paper version. But again, yeah. I've lived all over the place, so yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to get the New York Times. Uh, that, that right. you know, I just couldn't get it when I lived overseas. So I've I've cut the cord early uh, earlier on. I do read some of it digital, digitally. I do um, get a little. I'm a little annoyed now that uh, you know most of what I want to read, I have to pay for. That still wow. bothers me. Yeah. There, yeah. there have it. But um, but no, so I, I, I think I, I'm on my way. So that and your phone, Liz, I think that will be the next thing. You can do it. Yeah, but, well, you have real landlines, don't you? I would be curious to know from listeners, write in or put the, post this on our Facebook group, the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, like, have you made the move all the way to cutting your landline? I know it's like an age thing where the younger you are, the more likely you are to not have a landline. I just feel like... It's still helpful in an emergency. I don't know why. For security, some security systems want you to have a landline. I don't know if you actually have to, but yeah. that that was a requirement um, if you have some kind of home alarm system. So. Well, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I, no, I don't have a home alarm system. <laughs> you have Ferris. <laughs> I have Ferris. That's right. I have a dog. Okay, good segue, Julie, because that's the next thing I wanted to talk about. No, um, no, you didn't get rid of Ferris. No. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, no. That would be, then you'd know you should, like, send help immediately. Um, he's sitting right behind me right now. <clears throat> no, I'm, I, I'm witnessing a dog-related trend that I wanted to just lay out there. I'm sure it's happening everywhere, but it just became unbelievably obvious to me the other day when I was driving home from work. So I think we've all noticed that um, the burgeoning of of doggy daycare is like a boutique branded business. Do you see that around Dallas, Julie, where in places that used to be like, I'll take your dog in my backyard while you're at work. You know, now all of a sudden they're big, bright branded places. The ones, these are just the ones in West LA that I drive by going to work. One is called Bark Avenue. Uh, (laughs) One is called Fetch. Uh, one is called, of course, because over in Hollywood, Chateau Marmotte. And then the big new bright one that I just saw Friday is called Puppy Love. And it has an adorable Puppy Love logo. And it just looks like, oh, my God, like you would want to go spend the day there. So, so doggy daycare now, it's like it's been becoming more high end for a while. But the real shift, I think, in the last year that I see now is that dog boarding, you know, like back in the day when we would just leave our black lab tour at the vets, when the few times our family ever went on vacation, you know, Dr. Schulhoff just had a bunch of cages in the back, 
right? And he would take Tor, our black lab, for like the week that we were gone. And then, and when Tor came home, um, he would be completely hoarse because he had obviously spent the whole week barking, right? So the, right. Great so, and hoarse, yes. Yeah. So that was pet boarding. Well, in Los Angeles, and I suspect this is true everywhere now, Pet boarding has been repositioned, as we say in the marketing business, and now all these places are called pet hotels. Do you pet, have pet spas? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. so there's one uh, here that's called the Berkeley, of course, Berkeley, the Berkeley Pet Hotel and Day Spa. So I had seen that one, and they don't even call it like boarding; they call it overnight vacations when you leave your dog there. So there's the Berkeley Pet Hotel and Day Spa. There's another chain that's called the D Pet Hotel, and there are three of them around town now. There's one that I pass, uh, again, West L.A. There's another one in Hollywood where I noticed on their website they make a point that their place has a view of the Hollywood sign. So if that's important to your dog... Oh. If that's if you if your dog really insists on the good view of the Hollywood sign, you probably want to take your dog to the uh, the Hollywood location instead of the West LA location. Um, and then the uh, the newest one that caught my eye, and I literally like saw this building and I thought, wow, that's a brand new building. That's a, I wonder what the condos are like in there. Like maybe I would go live there. <laughs> then I saw a big sign on the side. The place is just called Pooch. Pooch oh. Pet Hotel. Yes. Now, isn't that the most adorable thing ever? I- <laughs> the, the names are little. You've got to get, get to work on a uh, name, Liz, because these are good. Um, and they all have, like, video monitoring, too, so you yes. can watch your pet while, while they're at play or on vacation. Yes. So that so, I want- uh, Yeah. It's, you know, it, Pooch, because I, I checked it out online, the, there's one in West LA, there's one in Hollywood, and there's one in the South Bay. And I've noticed they all have the same basic like branding and identity, but they each have a different uh, uh, tagline as a descriptor of their location. Mm-hmm. So the West LA location, it says Seaside Coastal Cool. Right. And okay. I just want to say, like, on Pico Boulevard in West LA, none of <laughs> those things are true. That is not true. <laughs> but you can probably so, fool your dog. Price? What's the price list for something like that? I mean, because I, I still, my dog Zorro, he, he, he's more old school. We take him to the vet. He goes in, the, he goes in happy. He comes out happy. I don't know what happens behind that door at the vets. And I don't ask. I don't want to see the facility. I don't want a, a video of it. Um, he goes in happy. He comes out happy. That's, that's my proof. So, right. And he can't it, really tell you what went on while no, you were gone. And, and it's better that way. He's not whores. They like him. He likes them. Mm-hmm. It's a fine relationship. Mm-hmm. But, and it, but it doesn't cost, I mean, it's not super expensive. I suspect that some of the pooch and, you know, yeah. spas and views of the Hollywood uh, sign come with a high price tag. I bet they do. The, the Hollywood uh, location for pooch, their tagline, Julie, this sounds expensive because they say every pooch gets the star treatment. Oh. So that's going to cost you, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's some serious coin if your pooch is getting the star treatment at the pooch hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it it's just seemed like all of a sudden we're spending – it's like we want our dogs to have our lives. You know, we want – just as like we would like to be in a cool seaside coastal 
um, little boutique hotel. We want the same for our dogs, even when we are away. And I'm just not sure the dogs care. I think this is really much more about us. I, I have yet to meet a dog that would really appreciate a view of the Hollywood sign. But maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. I, I guess uh, anyway. So, uh, so there you have it. Just like a little little marketing report on what's happening in one industry that I think they've just completely repositioned what they're all about. And uh, obviously, people are enjoying this and paying paying a lot for these services. So uh, uh, maybe one weekend. Ferris and I can go to Pooch together. Do you think they do they ever let the owners stay over with their dog? Because so on the video, those places look pretty pretty darn nice. Here's the thing, Liz. I'm sure you will not be the first owner to ask that question because I, I I'm sure many have separation anxiety and don't want to leave their Pooch um, anywhere. So, uh, but I'm sure they have counselors there for that, Liz. Yeah, so yeah. you check out that you but yes i think you should do some more undercover work send ferris in you know go for the video i am a little curious as to to see a video of my dog like at one of these places but i know what he does he sleeps all day (laughs) i'd just be looking at him sleeping and snoring so i I don't know i don't know uh my own dog sitter mark who you've met he actually asked me um very uh sheepishly you said, you know, uh, I heard about this thing called Angie's List. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Angie's List. He said, well, one of my clients actually put me on Angie's List. I'm like, oh, that's great, Mark. And he said, well, so I was wondering if, uh, you know, could you also write a recommendation? And uh, I said, sure. Like, what'd she write? He's like, well, I don't really know. Because Mark, of course, does not have a computer. He's never been online in his life. He is a real, he's a real dog person. And yes. he is just not electronically tethered. He doesn't even have a cell phone. He just like, he's, he talk about your landline, the last guy to cancel his landline will be Mark the dog sitter. He has a landline and an old-fashioned answering machine, and that's how he runs this whole operation. Uh, anyway, so he was so Angie's list was a big reach for him. He would be shocked. I'm sure he doesn't even know about Pooch. I'm not even going to tell him <laughs> that the new competition in town is the five-star view of the Hollywood sign. See, I think people and dogs prefer to be in their own homes or just to be with yeah. the people. I, I, you know, the idea that... The idea that dogs, I know they're packed animals and, you know, but the idea that they really want to be at, you know, some big fancy pooch hotel with a lot of other fancy high strung dogs. I don't, I don't think is the case. I don't think that's a vacation, Liz. Think about it. (laughs) I don't, I know Leanne just sends her dog to like the The farm, farm, whatever that is. And she has your policy. She's never been there. She doesn't need to know what goes on there, but, uh, Mia seems to enjoy it, and that's good enough for her. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, that's a good trend. I'd like to hear from more people if they are seeing spas and, and doggy um, hotels uh, opening up around where they live. So. So, well, so what are you up to for fun? Well, speaking of hotels, Liz, I am emb- about to embark with my husband on a trip that has been, uh, like, years in the making. Okay. Really? situation. My college roommate, my roommate, my junior year abroad, we did our, my junior year, I went to school in France, and this was my roommate. Um, Her daughter is getting married, and they are having the wedding in France, okay? Oh, Oh. So this is a big deal. Now, here's the thing. 
that ever since I went to France uh, on my junior year abroad, I've only been back once in the hundred years since I've graduated. <laughs> once, once. And, but I have, you know, made, you know, friendships for a lifetime on this junior year abroad program. And every year we would say, well, you know what we really should do is we should go back to France and we should rent a house and it wouldn't it be fun. And we talked about that all during our 20s. And it never happened. We talked about it all during our 30s, and it never happened. All during our 40s, and it never happened. And now, lo and behold, here we are. My friend Linda's daughter is getting married. Now, Linda actually married a Frenchman. Mm -hmm. uh, JP, you've met him. Yes, Jean-Baptiste, right? He is a bona fide Frenchman, complete with a very... Uh, a, a very um, authentic French accent, okay? And so, they, so they're not really posers about having a wedding in France. You know what I mean? They have yeah. family there. This made sense for them. And, but for us, it's also sort of this mini uh, reunion for many of my college friends who are, who are traveling to, um, to, go to France to go to the wedding. So we are all renting a house together, which I have never done. I know that you've done that with Yes, uh-huh. Um, but we have never done this, and um, and that I, is real. That's going to be really fun, Julie. It's going to be really fun. Now, my husband, the international businessman, who has been coming in and out of the country and has not really focused in on the vacation or this wedding or renting the house, but he did the other day. He did sort of focus in on the fact that just due to logistics in the house, there are going to be four men. And seven women. So, mm -hmm. so now my husband really believes that this is that I'm taking him on a women's weekend. He doesn't oh. believe that. You know, he's like, wait a minute, how did? Yeah, but you know how that happens. Like a couple of the husbands are not going to the wedding. Some yeah. are single. You just you sometimes end up with more women than men, or more men than women. It just it just happens. Yes. But, uh, yes. But uh, I think, what is he concerned about, like bathroom access or what's no, no, the... He just thinks, well, he's met many of my friends and um, he just feels like we're going to be spending large amount of time in our nightgowns, sitting around, drinking wine and laughing and talking. <laughs> Which is what you would do on a women's weekend, right? Yes, right, so, of course. So that's, but I have assured him that we're all excited because none of us really have gone back to France um, that much since our junior year abroad. So, so this is very, a very exciting thing for us to be there, and it's very sentimental. We're actually going to a location in France where we studied as students, and so, um, so that's good. So, so that uh, you know, and this is we. So we've been working on working on this and talking about this. For quite some time, Liz, but now... Right. Decades in the making. It's not very often you can say that. Yes, I don't want to... Yes, decades in the making. So so the other thing is I thought I should brush up on some of my French, Liz, because I haven't re really been speaking a lot of French lately. So um, I went out... I got some tapes, Liz. I got some... Berlin. Really? Really? Yes. Like those Rosetta Stone tapes? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, okay. How's it working for you? I'm driving around. It's it's going fine. I'm, I'm you know, it's coming back to me. But you know, here's the thing, Liz. I, I was practicing. They have different sections, and one section was on banking. You know, which you which you need to you know know. And they so they you don't really need to know a lot. And now, since the ATM has been invented, since you were there on your junior year, it's so much easier to get money now. Liz, Liz, let me tell you. But see, this is the thing. The Berlitz tape. They said. That when you want to ask the question, where is the ATM, you're supposed to say, où est le guichet automatique de banque? 
Now, I'm just a hundred percent convinced that there is not a single person in France that when they want to use the expression ATM are saying guichet automatique de banque. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that's pretty fair. That's a fair okay. guess. That, okay. So right. you think Berlitz is steering you wrong I, here? I think they're wrong. I don't. I think that's just a hundred percent incorrect. <laughs> that that if I go and say oué le guichet automatique de banque. No one's going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, you're going to look like such a loser. That I'm going to look like a loser, Liz. <laughs> I'm going to look like I am some middle-aged woman who had a dream to go back to France and has been practicing with her Berlitz tapes driving around in a car. Yeah, That's like a computer that. taught you how to speak French. And, and then, but this is it, Liz. I realized at that moment that really when I was a student and I went to France, I was just so... You know, I just wanted to say everything perfectly with the right tense, and I really wanted to have people think I was French. Well, I'm not in that stage of my life anymore. I really don't. I, I realize that what I speak is international. Let me Oh, okay. I speak international. I, I realize that what you need when you go to a country, you need an index finger, a calculator, and a credit card. This is all you need to be successful speaking internationally. Yes. Now, I, 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 you know, in no, I don't want to disrespect any culture or language. I think the study of cultures and languages are, are important. But for most of us, we need to speak international. ATM is an international word. Okay, right? Am I right about that? Okay. I think, I bet you're right. I bet in most countries you could say ATM and people would have a better idea of what you were talking about than if you said guichet automatique de banque. I have no doubt about that. When I was in North Korea, I said ATM, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, that is it. So I want you, when you, when you speak international, you obviously want to speak in a moderate tone. You don't yes. want to scream and yell. Uh -huh. And you want to watch your body language to make sure that as you're speaking, people are getting what you're saying. But you use the finger. That is good for everything, for like pointing to food items on menus you yes. don't you don't actually have to say it out loud you just point to the item or if they have a picture of food you know i love that or displays don't you love countries yes. that have displays of food so you can just like in japan where they just have everything in the window yes it's fantastic okay yeah. so that's so you don't really need any of that vocabulary associated with food you just have your finger yes. you point you're good you can also just point at what the people next to you are eating and just, you know, the international sign for I'll have what they're having. Yes, that's good. Okay, so that covers that. Numbers. You do not need to learn any numbers. I was practicing with my tapes going, I was, I was doing it all, Liz. You just need a calculator. And this is how, you know, on your phone or just buy a little calculator, this is how you negotiate everything. You can find out the price. You know, you put in your number, they put in their number, then you put it, you know, you go back and forth. So that that's simplified. See, I think all those years where you lived in Thailand and then lived in Russia, yeah. that is the way transactions in marketplaces are done every day. Like whether you're a tourist or not, people are going negotiating prices on a calculator. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, that's how you do it. So that... That's okay. So we have food. You've got taken care of that. Any purchases can be done that way, just with the index finger, the calculator, the, and and the credit card. I do think there are a couple of key phrases you should get under your belt, regardless of the country that you go to. But as part of like, like what, like what would I be think, your keys? Well, hello and goodbye. You okay. want to start off on a good thing? Yeah. Please and thank you is very good. Yes. 
toilet, you need that. Okay, let's say you just really need to, whatever the word is, you need to master that. I mean, luckily for you, it's toilet this time around. So I'm sure you can, yeah. Help, I think, is an excellent word to have under your belt in many, many countries. Okay, that's, you know, you don't really need to get into fire or, you know, I'm being robbed. Just help. Yeah. And chicken. That's my last word that I think everybody should know. Because regardless of where you go in the world, chickens is a pretty good good option. You know, just... Yeah. Even when I was in Uzbekistan, I felt like if I just, some of the kebabs were kind of suspicious looking, but chickens seemed to be like a good, you know, good. So, yes. I, and don't ask me, I can't remember at this moment what Uzbek is for chicken, but, but I know I had. I'm sure that. you mastered it in the moment. Yes. So that's, that's part of those. That's all you need international. And I think then the final thing is you just need to be fearless about this, right? You just like. Like be not embarrassed, but that you right. don't sound French. Exactly. Yes. Liz, You're not going to fool anyone. You are not. You really are not going to fool everyone. So just have a smile on your face. Be fearless about this. Just and be be persistent. Don't give up. If like you're if you with the pointing, if it's not working, just keep keep on it. Don't give up. That's you know. I think the, the problem of, with yelling for help in French. This was the one like French term that I always thought. Well, this is bogus because this is not what I'm going to say when I'm in trouble. I believe the French term for help is au secours. Yes. Right? It's, uh, it's three three syllables? Yes. Like, w- shouldn't the word for help be just one powerful syllable? Like, yes, like help! Help. <laughs> help. It's the, a like the guiche uh, automatique de banque. Was, yeah. I mean, you're never going to say it. Yeah, so, uh, but yes, I think getting some kind of word like help in, yeah, is, is important. Uh-huh. So, well, it sounds to me like you're ready. Like I am ready to yeah, go. I've yeah. got um, my bags are almost packed. Um, I've got this, you know, my international. I, I have told we're, we're traveling with some people who don't speak any French. They were a little nervous about it. And I said, don't worry. Don't worry. I speak international. We are going to be fine. I am not worried. Not one bit. Because I'm bringing my finger and my calculator and my credit card. We are going to be great over there. Uh, that is really, really going to be fun. It is going to be fun, Liz. Yes. Good for you. That'll be quite an adventure. In, in your nightgowns, drinking wine at night while your husbands get bored. Uh, okay. So um, let's see. What else? Oh, you, you were telling me that you had rediscovered something that you were bringing back into your life. Yeah, Liz, you know, I think it's been a tough week for news, okay? Uh, there's no doubt about it, and we're not going to talk about any of it. But I was, um, again, because we are planning big, big things in the fall for Satellite Sisters. There's going to be a big announcement, right, Liz? Once people finish recovering their couches, going to Ikea, canoeing, and many other things that we've been up to this summer. And making watermelon cocktails. Yes. yes we are going to buckle down. And so I thought, I really got to get my office in shape Uh, because there's going to be large amounts of things coming out of this office. Content. You're going to be creating content? Yes, Liz. Yes. Things. That's it. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) But but as part of that, I was uh, reorganizing my books, and I came across, this is a Satellite Sisters, this is is a golden moment, is I came across my very well-worn copy of Choosing Civility, The 25 Rules of Considerate Conduct, by our friend P.M. Forney, who is the co-founder of the Johns Hopkins Civility Project. And many old-time, long-time listeners to Satellite Sisters will remember P.M. Forney has been on our show. And just 
really tried every single time, every week when we had him on the show, to talk about civility and how you could incorporate, you know, civility into your daily life and to be just have that be uh, much more top of the line. Right. We would have challenges for him that we thought, okay, we're really going to stump him this week because there's no way in this situation there would be a civil response. You know, and we would be having tales from our lives. We're like, I'm totally off the hook of having to be civil because look at how awful this other person was to me. And every single time, Dr. Forney taught us something about how to be civil. Right. I mean, and it was... And he would leave, leave us with a challenge. You remember that, Liz? That each week he would, we would, you know, he would try to have a challenge, and we would, we would have intra-sister competitions about who was the most civil. Um, but I think one of the, I, and so I started thumbing through the book, and I've got all kinds of, you know, pages bent down and highlighted areas. But I, the, his second rule of, I didn't start with the first rule, and I can't say why. I think just because I opened up the book to the second rule, and I thought this rule seems good. I think I'll work on this this week but it was his rule to acknowledge others do you remember this that this is like when you go for example to your bristol farms uh or you go to your grocery store that as the checker is checking you out that you actually look the checker in the the eye and you say thank you or if you're so lucky and fortunate to have a bagger with your checker at the checkout count counter that you thank the person who is bagging your groceries and just that, uh, or whether you're picking up your dry cleaning or, you know, whatever it is that you look people in the eye, you acknowledge them as a person, and, uh, and it makes a huge difference. And so this, so since fi- refinding the book, I have been doing that, Liz, and uh, I'm getting a great deal of satisfaction out of it, of trying to be a little more civil, and I've had some good responses to it. Really? Yeah. Are people surprised? But people in Texas are nice. This are nice, but still, if you really stop and say, thank you very, thank you for helping me with my groceries. I I mean, I think there are many cases they're startled because they don't expect to have uh, quite that interaction. So, um, you know, the book, if you've never heard of it, is Choosing Civility, The 25 Rules of Considerate Conduct by P.M. Forney. Um, he has another second book, um, The Civility Solutions, um, which again is, um, which is more solutions on how to act when you're, when you find yourself in, uh, situations that are less than civil. But, um, it's, it's good stuff. And I'm just bringing it back, Liz. That's what so I'm doing. So this is, so this is part of your strategy for the fall. We're going to be, uh, the civility challenge is coming back or some civility content, civility yeah. related activities. I- I think we need it, Liz. I really, I really do. I mean, our work in civility is never done. That's what I can, that's what I can say. And uh, I think there's always room. I'm starting with myself because there's plenty of room for improvement. And that's, that's what I'm doing. Okay. All right. I like it. You've inspired me. I'm sure I have a copy of the book around here somewhere too. So maybe I will crack that open. Well, just Um, on rule number two, acknowledge others. Why don't we all try to work on that one rule this week? See how it goes, and then we'll check back in. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Well, we're going to wrap this up now. Oh, I did want to mention the – you probably saw this on the Facebook page, Julie, but the um, a friend of mine was going through LAX the other day and saw that Leon's book, Elizabeth the First Wife, was on the best shel- best-seller shelf 
um, in the LAX bookstore, and so she took a picture of it and sent it to me. So I posted it in the Facebook group, and it is pretty exciting to see that. Leanne is totally psyched. So if you're a listener and you're out and about, any place you see the book displayed, you know, in even if it's a bookstore, she is happy to know that it is out and available, and people are obviously buying it and reading it and enjoying it. So uh, be on the alert for Elizabeth the First Wife. And if you haven't bought or read your own copy yet, you know, this perfect summer reading. The summer is not over yet. You're going to want to do this. Um, so that was really that was really fun to see. And then what else? Is that it? Anything else you need to wrap up with? No, Liz, I, I think we are good to go. So um, uh, just uh, keep okay. acknowledging people. And uh, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you very much for doing this podcast with me, sister. Thank you very much. And I was, as long as I'm acknowledging doing the podcast, I will. I just want to apologize for um, cutting you out at the end of last week's show, Julie. That was a mistake. I did not do that on purpose. But uh, if you listen through to the whole edited version of the show, you just, you just disappeared at a certain point, and all of a sudden it was Sheila talking. And that was not my intention. And uh, so I hope you didn't take that personally. I didn't lose. Okay. Because <laughs> we well, just, all of a sudden we were talking about bamboo dreams and boom, you were, you were gone. <laughs> all right. Well, that is it for us. I'm very excited how many um, new members we're getting every week now for the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So thank you, those of you who are signing up. And thank you also to those of you who are starting to post more of your own things there, questions, suggestions, all kinds of things. It's a nice little community over there. So enjoy it. And uh, have a good week. Uh, We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.